Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. We want to get into some good things today. Uh... I just I just feel like sharing something with you real quick before we get into the, the 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 meat of our message, folks. Listen, when we look at at what is uh, transpiring in the world, I want you to understand something. It's no doubt that we're in troubled times. But I I, I need I need you to can I show you two things real quickly from the Word? Go go over with me to Matthew twenty four. And uh, and and I'll preface this by saying, you know what I'm what I'm uh, about to say. If if you disagree with me, you have the right to disagree with me. I mean, uh, it's not the difference between heaven and hell. But I hear this so much. I hear this so much. And here's what I hear: Well, things will never be normal again. And here's the problem I have with that. It flies against what Jesus said. And, and because I want, I, want, I want you to see this real quickly. And again, I'm not, I'm not being overbearing about this. You, you, if you want to believe things are never going to be back to normal, that's fine. But I want you to see what the Word says. I have a responsibility to show you the Word. Amen? Notice what he says in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were... So also, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. All right? As the days of Noah were. Well, how were the days of Noah? Wicked. They were so wicked that God said man's imagination was on wickedness continually. It was so wicked that God had to judge the earth. Is that right? Amen. Now, there's another judgment coming. We're not going to be here for it, but I want you to see this. So he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, brother, you believe that's the physical bodily return of Jesus to the earth when he rules and reigns for a thousand years or the rapture of the church. That's, that's neither here nor there. He's saying before he returns that this is how it's going to be. Now, notice, as in the days that were before the flood... Remember, the flood is a representation of the judgment of God. It can be a representation of the tribulation that's going to come on the earth after the rapture of the church. But either way, notice, as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark. That sounds like pretty normal life. They're eating. Drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see this? See, we have this problem that we have ministers that are saying things, and they're saying things and proclaiming things. They're saying that we're going, that the earth is going through things that we cannot be going through right now because they occur after the church is gone. Notice. 
and knew not until the flood came, the judgment came, and took them all away. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. But notice, it was normal until the day Noah entered into the ark. After, after, the ark, after Noah was in the ark, judgment came. Amen. Do you see that? Now look over here at Luke 17. This is, this is not what I'm ministering on, but I need you to see this. Because how you think is going to determine how you respond. Oh, glory. Verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. What did they do? They ate, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Until the day Noah entered the ark. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So that means he was the righteous on the earth. And notice the righteous were taken out before the judgment fell. Do you see this? And then now notice this. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot. Well, you know the days of Lot were wicked. It was so wicked, God had to destroy that city, and they still really don't know where it was because God just destroyed it because of the wickedness. Hallelujah. But the Bible says that Lot vexed his, here's the word, righteous soul. Is that right? He vexed his righteous, so Lot is a picture of the righteous, and notice, notice what they were doing. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. The same day Lot left. Amen. Now, we're not going to turn there because, because I'll get into it too long. But in the book of Genesis, when the angels came into Sodom, the Bible says that they asked Lot, are there any here? Beside your sons and your daughters. And he told them, you know, well, my, my, my sons and daughter, my uh, daughters and son-in-laws are here. And he went to talk to them. And it says he was like a foolish man to them. They laughed at him. And it says the angel took Lot's hand and said, we've got to leave the city. Watch, because I cannot do anything until you escape. Is that right? We are people that take the Bible literally. This is what the Bible says. Do you understand? Look, look, look at this real quickly. Uh, 2 Thessalonians. Mm, hallelujah. And uh, chapter 2. In uh, Thessalonians, the, the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus is mentioned more in these two books than it is in any book in the Bible. There are 280 references to the second coming of Christ in the Bible. 
And notice he says here in chapter 2. Now Paul's writing to the church. Is this Holy Spirit inspired? Is it, is it God breathed? Right? We just saw that Jesus said that, that, that before the destruction, the righteous are taken. Now notice, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And let's start in verse 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of the return of Christ, shall not come, except there come a falling away first. Now, people talk about a great apostasy, and there's going to be a great backsliding in the church. No, that's not what that's talking about. That word falling, when you read that in the original Greek, you read that in the Woos Bible, it says, and now you know with, a, with, with positivity that that which shall come, namely, the aforementioned departure of the church. The falling away is the departure of the church. Notice. Now, if you say, well, I, I believe there's going to be an apostasy. Well, you, then you just keep waiting on it. But I'm not going to be a part of that group that falls away because they believe that's what's going to happen to the church. Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Now notice what he said. Uh, Except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, or the Antichrist. Now folks, if you've been saved any length of time, uh, those of you, some of y'all have been in here, been around Pentecostal circles and spirit-filled circles longer than, than I'm alive. Amen. I've, I've, I've been around here for 46 years. I'm not 46 years old, but that's how long I've been saved. And ever, ever since I've been saved, every pope was the Antichrist. Every pope. Joseph Lieberman was the Antichrist. Y'all remember Joseph Lieberman? Ran for vice president. I forget who his running partner was. But anyway, I, I had an Assembly of God pastor sit with me in his office and go, it's about here. I said, why? He goes, we're going to have a Jew for the, for the vice president. And they got trounced. They got solid. They got, they, right? Then you remember all the deal with, with Al Gore and Joseph Lieberman and, and President Bush? They won the election. I thought, well, what's that do to his theology? He said the Antichrist cannot be revealed till the church leaves. Is that the word? Now notice, verse 6, now you know what withholdeth. Now you know what's withholding these things, the church. I was talking to Michelle, talking to my wife on the way to church today. She's in Kansas ministering. And I said, uh, you know, Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom had to be preached to the entire earth. That means that this gospel will be preached. To the entire earth. And there will come a fulfillment of the Father's plan. And after that fulfillment, the end will come. The end will come. But Jesus said in Matthew 24, He said, when you see all these things, the end is not yet. Hallelujah. Now notice this. Now you know what withholds. For the mystery of iniquity already is working only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. 
Well, people say, well, that can't be the church because it's a he. The church is the body of Christ, and Jesus is a man. He's not a a male head and a female body. Nowhere in the Bible do you find the church referenced as a she. It's not there. The church is the body of Christ. And to be the body of Christ, we have to be a male body. It's important. Because he said, what now lets or what is holding back will hold back until it's taken out of the way. We will be taken out of the way. And when we're taken out of the way, you think things are bad now? Wait till there's no restrainment. Now, one other thing. Is this okay? Revelation 13. I'm not trying to take too much time here, but I, I, want, you to be, I, want, you to be, I want you to be solid. Nothing worse than a goofy Christian. <laughs> Call them Walt Disney Christians. Goofy. Because here's what I hear, and you know from the beginning of what the world is going through, pandemic or whatever you talk about, you know, you know my stance on this has been you be led. I've had people come and ask me, uh, do I need to get a shot or not? You, you be led. That's not my place to tell you. Yeah, but some say this and some say that. Yeah, but what are you led to do? Despite what some are saying, what are you led to do? If you're led to get it, go get it. If you're led not to, don't you dare. But you be led. That's not my place. Amen. And, and I hear ministers getting up and basically saying, don't you do this or don't you do that. Listen, that's dangerous. You got to be led. You be led. My job is to teach you to be led. Amen. Now notice, but here's something that, that I keep hearing. The vaccination is the mark of the beast. They have a chip now that they can inject in your hand and you can pay for things, you know, with just a swipe of the hand. That's wonderful. And, and I understand what they're saying. But he says, notice Romans or Revelation 13, 16. And he, the Antichrist, causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I would gather we have a, a group in people in here that received the vaccination, and I'm sure some of you received it in your right arm, and some of you received it in your left arm. He said it's on the forehead or in the right hand. And the interesting thing here is this word mark, it literally means a scratch or an etching. Uh, The mark branded on horses, a thing carved, a sculpture, or a graven work. It's something that can be seen. It's something that's obvious. It's not a chip that no one can see. That makes for good science fiction, but it's not good Bible doctrine. And for those that are saying the mark is being administered, what do you do with the fact that this is after the church is gone? The word for church in the Bible is ecclesia. E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A, ecclesia. That word is not found in Revelation after Revelation chapter 4. 
I'm, now you do whatever you want to do, but I'm, I'm saying this is not my opinion. It can't be the mark because we're here. And those of you that were vaccinated, if it was the mark, don't you think the Holy Ghost would have told you? Because the Bible says if you take the mark, you can't be saved. When you went to get your shot, were you saved? Yeah, well, you're still saved because it was just a shot. Well, but you know, Pastor, I disagree with that. Well, you have a right to, but I'll see you in heaven whether you got a shot or not. This is so important. It's so important. Well, I believe it has side effects. Anything you get has side effects. I'm not pro, I'm not, I'm not advocating or disavowing. I'm just saying, we, we, we got so much that we have to focus on. We don't have time to get over into conspiracy theories and who's doing what, the dark lords of the universe, and we got wicked men. The Bible says wicked men and evil men and seducers would wax worse and worse. The world is just going to get worse. But it says the righteous will shine like the stars in the sky that will be strong and do exploits for our God. We, people talk so much about the power of the Antichrist. Throughout the whole tribulation period, he never rules the entire earth. Nobody will ever rule the entire earth but Jesus Christ. For the whole tribulation period almost, there are two witnesses that stand in Jerusalem and witness about the goodness of God every day. And there's nothing he can do about it. Because it said if anybody withstands them, fire comes out of their mouth and destroys them. And finally, they give themselves up, and the Antichrist kills them. But then in three days, they rise from the dead. We got to focus on who we are and whose we are and stay focused on what the Word of God has to say and, and turn off Fox News, Newsmax, CNN, whatever you watch, wherever you get your fodder from, you got to turn it off and focus on what the Word of God says. The greatest joy in my life is I don't know what's going on. I just know what the Word says. Glory to God. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Is that all right? Whew. Genesis 17. We'll start there. A covenant of blood is what we want to look at this morning. Again, I think this is 14 or 15. And uh, this is so important because, you know, we're in the, the res- what we call the resurrection season. And uh, when we look at some of the things we're going to look at today, we're going to see how far this covenant uh, reached. Because it... it the, the, the covenant that God made with Abraham, we've talked about how it's the basis of our relationship with God. All right, it was through that covenant that God said, I will, uh, you, will bl- you, you're, you will bless all nations. All right? And uh, so we always remember, number one, remember we always remember, I have a covenant. I have a covenant. Say that out loud. I have a covenant. All right, you've got to always remember that. I have a covenant. Uh, I was at Prophet Ford's ministry here a few weeks ago, and uh, at his ministry, 
and he was telling me a story. I, I don't remember if it was a relative or, or someone, but someone from up north. I was ministering there a couple nights on, on this subject of I Have a Covenant, and he said that uh, uh, this man had, I, I think he'd had a stroke or something, but anyway, he was having some mobility problems in his right leg, and he said, I was listening to the pastor still preach, and I've been telling my body, hey, body, I've got a covenant. I got a covenant. Amen. You got to always remember that you have a covenant with Almighty God that God initiated, that God instituted, that God was the initiator of. God sought out Abraham and made a covenant with him. God said seven, seven, seven times, he said, this is my covenant. Nine times, excuse me, in Genesis 17, he said, this is my covenant. Number two, the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. Uh, the blood of bulls and goats in the first covenant, the blood of the Lamb of God in the second covenant, all right? But it's a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. It's a covenant book because it cannot lie. In covenant, you cannot lie. God cannot lie, Titus 1-2. God, who in hope of eternal life have promised, God who cannot lie. God cannot lie. Not will not, cannot. God will not because he cannot. Hallelujah. That's why when, when you take and you read the word of God and you say this is God's word, this is, this is truth. Truth, amen, cannot change. Truth doesn't change. Do, do you see that? Hallelujah. The, the truth, what was true 2,000 years ago is true today. What was true yesterday is true today. Number three, a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. I'm going to have strong faith. I have to have a covenant mindset. And that covenant mindset is God cannot lie. We talked about in Genesis 15, how God came to Abraham and he said, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Walk before me and be perfect. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and this, this uh, Eliezer of Damascus is my heir. And God said, this will not be your heir, but the one that comes out of your body will be your heir. Verse 6, and Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. A covenant mindset is a requirement. If Abraham had not believed God in Genesis 15, 6, everything that occurred after that would have meant nothing. Because there was no reason to, to split the pieces. There was no reason for God to come down and walk between those pieces and make promise to Abraham if Abraham was not going to believe him. But Abraham in Genesis 15, 6, he said, I know what it looks like. I know it looks like I'm childless and I have no heir. But God said, I will have a child and that my heir will be one that comes out of my own body. And he said, I choose to believe what God said. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I choose to believe what God said. Oh, glory to God. That, that's, that there's something that's so powerful about the choice of faith. I choose to believe what God said. You know, faith is not just ignoring symptoms or ignoring situations. As a matter of fact, faith doesn't ignore them. Faith is aware of them and faith, faith doesn't deny them. But faith simply chooses to believe something that's higher than what you're seeing. Because faith is that hand, that spiritual organ that reaches into the unseen realm and attaches itself to what you can't see. Glory to God. So Genesis 17 verse 7 
And we'll, we'll go from 7 to 13 to 19. Notice Genesis 17, 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your seed after you and their generations. Notice this, for an everlasting covenant to be a God to you and your seed after you. Verse 13. He that is born in your house and he that's bought with money must needs be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. Verse 19, and God said, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son. Indeed, you'll call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So notice that three times God calls the covenant he made with Abraham everlasting. It's an everlasting eternal covenant. God promised that Abraham would be the father of many nations. Verse 4, as, before, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you will be the father of many nations. The word nations there in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word goy or goyim. All right? It's, it, it references a Gentile people group or a heathen nation. It's, it's not a favorable term. A Jewish person would never call another Jew a goy. It's, not, it's a slam. It's, it's a borderline racial slur. All right? But here's, here's the point. I'm saying that to say, God is telling Abraham right here, you will be the father of Gentile nations, of heathen nations. All right? And he said that this is an everlasting covenant. Look at Genesis 22. Glory to God. I've already preached myself happy. Genesis 22, verse 16, and said, God said, by myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, because you've done this thing and not withheld your son, your only son. Now, this is important. Here in Genesis, he, he points out, this is your only son. Hebrews 13, it says that Abraham gave his only begotten son. All right? Your only son that in blessing I will bless you, and in multiplying I will multiply your seed as the stars of the heaven, the sand which is upon the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gates of his enemies, the gate of his enemies. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Well, we know that that seed that he's speaking thereof, because you remember in the book of Romans, it says that God spoke of seed and not of seeds as of many, but as of one, even Christ. So we know this seed is Christ. But notice, he says, through your seed, all nations of the earth will be blessed. So God promised Abraham that through his seed, all nations of the earth would be blessed. And notice that his seed would possess the gate of his enemy. Amen. That's an important term. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, the very powers of hell, the powers of death will not prevail against it. Why? Because the church has a covenant that God instituted based on this, that, this covenant that he made with Abraham and that Jesus brought into our lives through dying on the cross, we have a promise that we will possess the gates of our enemies and our gate will not be possessed by our enemies. Glory to God. Amen. Whenever you hear a minister talking about how weak 
and lethargic the church is, do yourself and your spirit a favor. Turn them off. Because there's nothing weak or lethargic about the church. We are the change agent in the earth. We are what the devil is scared of. He cannot do anything about the church. He couldn't do anything with Jesus when he was on the earth. And he cannot do anything with the church now that we're, that since we're on the earth. Everything that God said is going to come to pass. It, sh- it will all be just the way he said it. And there's nothing the devil can do about it. Oh, glory to God. God made this a blood covenant to keep the devil out of it. The devil has no blood. There's no way for him to get in this covenant and mess it up. The only person that can break the covenant is you or I. God cannot break the covenant, but we can break the covenant. If we say, I'm not breaking the covenant, I'm staying true to what God said, God cannot lie, He cannot change, and He cannot be different than He's ever been. He will always do what He said. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Woo, glory. Now, God asked for Abraham's son for a specific reason. God never does things pointlessly. He never does things recklessly. He asked for his son, and notice, he asked for his only son for a reason. Notice Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Are you with me this morning? Oh, glory, you're such a good church, such a strong church, on fire church. Ah, devil hating, st- hell stomping, overcoming church. Glory to God. More, more blessed than you've ever been, church. So blessed, the blessed folks call you blessed. Glory be to God. Amen. Uh Hebrews 11, verse 17, by faith. Now notice the avenue, the channel, the conduit, by faith. Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises, notice, which was Abraham, offered his only begotten son. His only begotten son. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When the Bible says Abraham was tried, his commitment to the covenant was tried. His commitment to the covenant was tried. And notice, it says that when he was tried, when he offered up Isaac, his only begotten son. Abraham gave his only son, his only begotten son. One translation says his one and only. Now look at verse 19. Accounting, here's how he did it, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. The Amplified Bible says, for he reasoned that God was able to raise him up, even from among the dead. Indeed, in the sense, notice this, That Isaac was figuratively dead. Potentially sacrificed. He did actually receive him back from the dead. That's what the Amplified Bible says. Think about this. This is important. Because he went up up Mount Moriah. 
He tied the boy up, built the altar, put the wood on the altar, laid him on the altar. He, he, he wasn't just going through the motions. It was done. The Bible says he reached for the knife, picked the knife up, was about to bring the knife down into his child. And the angel of the Lord said, oh, up now I know. Oh, now see, religion will say, yeah, God will bring you right up to the edge sometimes. That's baloney. You understand? This was a test of the covenant. And Abraham said, I so believe what you said, that I'm going to build the altar, I'm going to put the wood on the altar, I'm going to bind my son, and I'm going to put him on the altar, and I'm going to go through with this, because you said this was my seed, and this was who the nations were going to be blessed through, and if you've got to raise him from the dead, that's what you'll do. Before he ever reached the top of that mountain, in his mind, in his heart, Isaac was sacrificed. You say, why is that so important? Because the Bible calls Jesus the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before Jesus ever stretched his arms out on the cross, in God's mind and his mind and in their hearts, Jesus was already sacrificed. It was already completed. It was just the physical manifestation of it that had to be walked out. Jesus came into the earth willing to die because it was already done. Glory be to God. Oh, hallelujah. My Lord. Amen. He reasoned God was able to raise him up. Mm. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says Abraham knew something about God, that he gives life to the dead, that he quickens the dead, and calls those things that be not as though they were. And that's good gospel news. The covenant that we have with God is stronger than death. Even death can't defeat it. Abraham's body was dead. Sarah's body was dead. But the covenant brought life into their body and produced children where there was no children. It'll do the same thing for you. Glory be to God. So in Abraham's mind, in the mind of God, Isaac was sacrificed just as good as dead. See, the covenant was given with the resurrection of Jesus in mind. There had to be a channel in the earth. Now, I'm going to show you this from the Bible. There had to be a channel in the earth whereby God had legal right to raise Jesus from the dead. Had to be a channel. And, 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 amen. And it, it, it had to be something that the enemy could not get in on. Glory to God. When the ram was provided... Isaac was received as having been raised from the dead. The substitute showed up. And the Bible says that God received Isaac in a figure. Abraham sacrificed the ram physically, but Isaac had already been sacrificed. God accepted the ram because Abraham had went through with his promise. God accepts and forgives you because Jesus went through with his promise. We get the benefit of the substitute because the substitute went through with his promise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's good gospel news. 
Abraham sacrificed his son. Now, that's important to realize. He did it. The Bible says he did it. That it was as good as done. You know, when you promise God something, and your willingness is there, absolute willingness and obedience, God says it's done. Whatever it may be, going somewhere, doing something, sowing a seed. If God asks you to sow a seed and you say, Lord, I don't have that, but when it comes to me, I will do it. And you get the envelope and you make out the envelope and you say, when that seed shows up, I'm putting it in the envelope, I'm getting it in the ground. God considers it's done. The blessings start flowing before the seed ever hits the ground. Glory to God. The blessing of the covenant was flowing in the earth that be, before this event ever occurred. Because Abraham, all the way up that mountain, it was already done. There was no turning back. There was no going back the other way. The wood's here. The stones are here. The fire's here. The knife is here. We're going through with this. The covenant that you have with God is so sure that God said, I will move heaven and earth to make what I said come to pass for you I don't care what you're needing or desiring or believing God for God at this very moment is standing in covenant blood swearing to you I will do what I promise I will make it happen in the name of Jesus glory to God glory to God glory to God and that's why he said the works were finished from the foundation of the world Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 says that God has rested from all of his works, all of his labors, every plan that God has for your life. There's not one more thing he has to do. You just have to enter into it. Oh, glory to God. This was vital for the plan of God. God needed Abraham's son. And here's why. Because Abraham's seed and the nations would need God's son. God needed that channel. He needed that avenue. He needed the instrumentality to not only get Jesus in the earth, but to raise Jesus from the dead. Glory to God. The plan was from the beginning. Notice Psalm 40. Oh, there's so much here. Aren't you glad we serve a good God? A God that's so good that He thought about your future. And planned it. And prepared paths that you could walk in. Living the good life. Oh, glory be to God. Isn't that good news? We're, we're not left to just try to figure it out. We're not left to kind of do hit or miss and bounce from here or there. We, we have the Spirit of God Himself on the inside of us. Leading us and guiding us and directing us. We can be on target every day of our lives. Glory be to God. He thought enough of you that he planned it beforehand. Predestined you for greatness. Oh, glory to God. Predestined your life to be what it is. Oh, God's good to us. Hallelujah. Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you've not required. Then I said... This is Messianic, referring to Jesus. We could say, then Jesus said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. So uh, everything before this time, the, the volume of the book is written about me. 
I delight to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. This was God's plan from the beginning. This, this, this statement is from the beginning. If, if you could say it this way, this was the meeting that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit had. And he said, I realize that sacrifice and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, that's not what you want. Do you see that? He said, but I'm here. It's written of me in the volume of the book. I delight to do your will. This was God's plan from the beginning. It was written of Christ from the beginning. From the beginning. Now, look at Genesis 3. This is a familiar scripture. Mm. See, everything for God is from the beginning. God's making nothing up as he goes along. Do you understand that? I, 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 probably 20 years ago, I made this statement. I said, the plan of God is always flowing. People get into it. It, it doesn't change. Do you understand? That, that, that's why if you're older and you're just discovering the plan of God for your life, don't worry about it. Just get in it. Don't worry about what you didn't do or what you missed. Just get in on it now. Because, amen, because he, he'll, he'll, he'll compress time. He said, I'll restore to you the years that were stolen. Oh, glory to God. I'll restore it to you. The callings of God on your life, the giftings, they're still there. The anointing is still there. The power of God is still there. Don't let the devil lie to you and say that it's done, it's over, it's, it's, it's finished. No, it is not. The Bible said where there is breath, there is hope. And he said it's better to be a live dog than to be a dead lion. You might feel like a little chihuahua, but it's better to be in that state than it is to do nothing. I'm telling you, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, my Lord. Do you see that? Hallelujah. Yeah, but so-and-so said, what did God say? What, 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 what did God say? I say, what did God say? He said the giftings and the callings of God are without repentance. God's not going to change his mind about you. God's not going to change his mind about what he's asked you to do. Yeah, but I made a mistake. I did this. I did that. I understand that. And we're not advocating doing wrong. But I'm telling you, the moment that you repent, the moment that you say, God, I missed it. God says, okay, let's get busy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I look around this room, I see world changers. I look around this room, I see people that are going to make a difference in the lives of neighbors and family. I see a spiritual production center producing life, city, state, nation, and world. This is what God has asked us to do. We can do no less. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. That's a good place to tell your neighbor he's talking about me. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. So, he said here, this is a messianic prophecy concerning how Christ was going to get into the earth. In Genesis 3, verse 14, 
And the Lord said to the serpent, Because you've done this, you're cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, dust will you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity, I'll put strife, I will put a faction between your seed, or you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. It, her seed, will crush or bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So it's a messianic prophecy concerning how Christ was going to get into the earth through the womb of a woman. This is not a promise to Adam or Eve. It's a prophecy concerning the seed. Now, Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, hallelujah. My Lord. That's worth combing your hair and coming to church. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. This is, this is the, 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 the same passage that we read in, in Psalm 40, but with further insight. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering you would not notice, but a body you have prepared me, or you fitted me with a body. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do your will, O God. Notice, a body you have prepared me. A body you have prepared me. Galatians 4.4. Hallelujah. Galatians 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, the fullness of the time, was come. God sent forth his son. Notice, made of a woman. Made under the law. So he said, a body you have prepared me. And then he says, when the fullness of the time, the the completion, the word fullness means the completion. So when the completion of God's time frame was reached, its conclusion was reached, God was born into, Jesus was born into the earth, made of a woman. Made of a woman. His humanity gave Christ a right to exercise authority in the earth. His body was for two reasons. A right to exercise authority and an offering. An offering. Hallelujah. Abraham could have marched up that hill without Isaac, and he had no offering. Isaac had to be there because Isaac was the offering. Hallelujah. Jesus had to be born into the earth, made a man with a body fitted for him so he could be an offering. Oh, glory to God. Now, now why? See, understand something. Isaac... And the blood covenant was the channel to get Jesus with this body into the earth. Do you see this? That was the channel. That was the avenue that God could legally work through. Abraham offered his one and only son. Offered him in bodily form. Not in name only. Not in figure only. He did it. According to Scripture, God considered that he had done it. God, who knows all things, knew that he was going to go through with that. It was just a matter of walking it out. 
And he, he got right up to the point of putting the knife into his son's chest. And God said, okay, I know you, I know you do this. You understand? In Psalm 40, right here in Hebrews, it says when he came into the earth, he settled it. A body you have prepared me, and I know why you have prepared me a body. You've prepared me a body so I can exercise authority and so I can be a sacrifice for sin. Hallelujah. Remember he said in Psalm, he said, he said, sacrifices, burn offerings, offerings for sin you haven't wanted, but a body you've prepared me. In other words, there's coming an end to all of this system. There's coming an end to all of this. And it's based on the covenant that you made with Abraham, your friend, who didn't need a law to serve you. He had a covenant with you. He didn't need a law. The law was never God's plan. It was never God's will. It was never the perfection of God. God's perfect plan was that man would live with him and serve him and care for him and love him because of their heart's desire. Glory to God. He told Satan, the seed of the woman will crush your head. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. See, you got to understand, that's why Satan hates mankind. People talk about how Satan hates the Christian. Satan hates everybody. He hates everyone. He hates mankind. Because men are created in the image of God. Mmm. Satan knows that it's man that has the authority on the earth. And that's why he delights in exercising illegal authority, unjust authority over men and women. And when he runs into you and I, he's got a problem because we're in charge. Because we, right, not, not, not just do we know whose we are, we know what we possess. This, this is so vital. Hallelujah. Well, you remember what Charles Capps used to say? He said, if you have a, a message for the devil, write it on the bottom of his shoe. <laughs> Amen. Brother Jerry said he was sitting in, a, in, a, in the living room with him one time, and he said, Brother Charles would cross his leg, and he said, I'd notice there's something on the bottom of his shoe. And finally, I asked him, I said, Charles, there's something on the bottom of your shoe. What is that? He said, oh, that's a message to the devil. I put it on the bottom of my shoe so he, he could read it. He is under our feet. Is that right? I, I say, is that right? He's under our feet because, the, because, number one, because the blood of Jesus was shed to put him there. And number two, there's a blood covenant that God made with Abraham that said, you and I will possess the gates of our enemies. Glory be to God. He promised Abraham that his seed, a man, would possess the gates of his enemies. Hallelujah. Look, notice Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Jesus was born a man, but he was born a man with a covenant. Matthew 1.1. 1, 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Notice the son of David, the son of Abraham. Physically. In his genealogy. They're they're a physical man, Jesus. 
is in this genealogy. Hallelujah. If you don't make much of the humanity of Jesus, you make less of the authority we possess. Because everything that Jesus did, he did as a man. And, and remember that he was operating under what we would call, many, many, many just refer to it as the old covenant. He was operating under the law. But he was operating under the law with knowledge of his covenant. See, you've got to make a distinction at times. People will say, well, under the old covenant, this. Now, wait a minute. Many times what they're referring to is the law. Under what, see, because the covenant that they're referring to is the covenant of Abraham. There were no sacrifices under the covenant that God made with Abraham. That's what I need you to see. There were no sacrifices for sin. Because there was friendship. There were no sacrifices for sin in Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or Joseph. The sacrifices for sin came 430 years after God made a covenant with Abraham. See, there's a distinction. And so many times people say, well, under the old covenant. What they mean is under the law. It's better rendered the first covenant and the second covenant. Now, you do whatever you want to do. It's not the difference between heaven and hell. But that'll help you. And so notice, the book of the generation of Jesus. This is the genealogy of Jesus. And he's the physical son of David and the physical son of Abraham. So he comes from the kingly line and the covenant line. Glory to God. And Jesus was the physical seed of Abraham. Heir to the promise God had made Abraham. And he was the fulfillment of that promise. He was heir to the promise and the fulfillment of that promise. Look at John chapter 3. Hallelujah. Now this is a familiar scripture that very often we read and, and, and it should bless us. But I want you to see something in light of what we've said earlier. God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his only begotten son at that time. Because Abraham had given his only begotten son. Legal channel. Abraham gave his only son. God could legally give his only son. You see this? The resurrection was in God's mind when the covenant was in place, put in place. When Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood, the legal side of redemption was complete. It's finished. Every legal requirement was met. The vital side of redemption would be completed after he rose from the dead and ascended to the Father. Now, there was a channel that allowed that. It was the blood of Jesus offered on the mercy seat that sealed it and ratified it and made that the eternal offering for sin. There is no other offering for sin. Amen. But it had to get there. And for it to get there, 
there had to be a channel that God could raise Jesus from the dead. Because, now, I'm, I'm not going to get a lot into this, but remember, Jesus did not just die. The Bible says Jesus went to hell. Isn't that what the scripture says? Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time there, but that's where he went. Why? Because he had to suffer the full cup of the punishment of sin for you and I. He became sin. Now, here's a real easy question. If a sinner dies in their sin, where do they go? Hell. Jesus was not a sinner, but he became sin. And to be the offering for sin, he had to go where sinners go. To pay the price. And there had to be a channel whereby God had a right to rescue the sinless Son of God. Because He didn't go there because of sin. He went there for sin. He went there for our sin. He went to pay the price for our sin. Glory to God. The covenant God made with Abraham guaranteed that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Look at, look at, look at Hebrews 13. Oh, hallelujah. Whew. Oh, my Lord. Hebrews 13 and verse 20. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. Notice how he did this. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That word through, it means instrumentality. The preposition through, it means the instrumentality, the instrument, the, 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 the conduit, the way that he did this was through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So important. Because that blood is in place. See, if Jesus doesn't raise from the dead, he cannot be a blessing to all nations. If Jesus doesn't raise from the dead, what God promised Abraham can never come to fruition. What guaranteed that? The blood of the everlasting covenant. That was the channel. It was through the blood of the everlasting covenant that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's what the scripture says. So we saw it in Genesis where Abraham offered Isaac. But we see it even more implicit here. In Genesis, we see that the covenant was stronger than death. But right here in Jesus Christ, we see that the covenant was stronger than death. The Bible says in the book of Acts that death could not keep hold of him. It says it was impossible that he should be held by death. Why? Because God had made a covenant promise that if he will go to the cross and die and go to the grave, I will raise him up again. And there's a blood covenant that guarantees it. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If God is that committed to his covenant where Jesus is concerned? He is no less committed to it where you're concerned. 
Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Everything God promised, your job is to be faithful and obedient to what he said. And he will bring it to pass. I said he will bring it to pass. Oh, he will bring it to pass. Everything God promised, he will do. Isn't that good news? Oh, praise the Lord. So the instrumentality was the blood of the everlasting covenant. That's why it's so important that you consistently realize, I have a covenant. How, how do I know? Listen, the Bible says, remember in the book of Romans, we'll close. But he says, and I know it's talking about uh, 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 praying in the Holy Ghost. And it says... Uh, you know, that we know all things work together for the good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose, right? And, and, we, and we know that it's, it's talking about praying. As we pray in the Holy Ghost, all things work together for our good. Well, here's what I want you to see, though. That's backed by a covenant of blood. As you pray in the Holy Ghost, all things work together for your good. Amen. The Bible says when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ that you would be saved and your house. Know what it said? That's a covenant promise. My house, my children are going to be in church. They're going to be serving God. Why? Because he promised. Well, pastor, they have a choice. Right, but I have a covenant promise that says God will influence their choices. Is that right? We, we see him do it in the word of God. He translated Philip out of the city into the desert to minister to one man. Oh, glory to God. So what's that mean? Right, right, right now. Right, if God has to, he can translate somebody from somewhere else to minister to your child. To minister to your grandchild. Why? Because we have a covenant. He that contends, God will contend with him that contends with me, and he will save my children. That's what the scripture says. And your grandchildren. And your great-grandchildren. Don't ever give up because God cannot lie. What God promised, God promised. Oh, hallelujah. That's so important. You, you maintain. Build an ark for your family. Build an ark for your family. This is what the word of God says. And no matter what comes, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm seeing this over and over and over and over and over again. People are just, they, they are grabbing a hold of what God said. And we're seeing children saved and families saved and spouses saved. I'm telling you, this is the time that God said that sinners would be saved. Lukewarm believers would come back to God. Don't you give up. If you don't give up on the covenant, the covenant won't give up on you. Oh, glory to God.